0: Have you ever had a bad day at work?
1: Well, the F My Work Life podcast is perfect for you.
0: Host J and K share listeners' entertaining stories from the workplace, which may have you thinking you don't have it so bad after all.
2: Find F My Work Life on your favorite podcast
0: platform.
1: Try to run away from me. So I hit him with my shoe again!
0: How oh, far are you gone? L.A. Not many people stop for a guy these days. I'm afraid of a stick up, maybe. This buggy belongs to a guy named Haskell. That's not you, mister. Now, wait a Shut minute. Up. You're a cheap crook and you killed him. Never mind this. do take a card. Ah, uh, I did card. You can keep it. I've
1: got 51 left. <laughs> <laughs> the Cult
2: Worthy Classic, a cinema podcast dedicated to obscure films and cult classics made before 1970. Your host, Antonio Palacios, will guide you weekly through a sea of hidden gems and obscure films that are destined for rediscovery. And so, without further ado, let's start the show. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the show. We got some special guests today. They're the perfect people to have on for this episode. My good friends, Scott and Frankie of Shoot the Flick Podcast. How y'all doing?
0: We're good. How are you?
2: Yeah, definitely doing good. Definitely doing good. So, hey, I had a blast on your show doing the Warriors. I loved how that turned out. And I had to go back and watch it again after, so I've watched The Warriors now three times this year.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I've been listening to the soundtrack nonstop since we recorded the episode.
2: (laughs) It's an earworm. It sticks in your head, and it just kind of, like, repeats and repeats and repeats. That's not a bad thing to me, man.
1: (laughs) No, definitely not.
2: (laughs) So today we're talking about a very special movie. And when I say special... Uh, The reason why I say it is because I'm kind of doing this series, my dad's birthday was in October when this is going to be airing, and it made me think about all the movies that he showed me when I was a kid that I thought were fascinating when I was a kid, but have not watched them in like the 30 plus years since he showed them to me. So this was one of those films, kind of like, you know, an amusement park or like a spook alley, something that you did when you were a kid that was a lot of fun, and You go and relive the experience, and it is nothing like you remembered. So that's why I turn to you two for this First Time Watch, because you are the king and queens of First Time Watch podcasts. What did you think of this movie?
0: You are listening to the sound of a completely new screen experience, a startling new kind of excitement. As 20th Century Fox plunges you into the most incredible adventure that man could ever achieve. To make a motion picture that crosses a new frontier may seem impossible today. Outer space, the depths of the sea, the bowels of the earth, the past, the future, all have been subjects for the camera. But now, a film called Fantastic Voyage has broken through in an... I love that. We're the, we're, babe, we're the king and queen of something. <laughs> it's
1: amazing to hear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, like, I'll be honest. When I... Like, I had no idea, like, what this movie was. And when I read, like, the quick little synopsis um, on HBO Max, which is how we watched this movie, it reminded me of an episode of The Magic School Bus. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like oh this will be fun <laughs> and um, it was it was interesting
2: <laughs> that's a great word what about yeah, you Scott
1: I yeah I got I have to agree with my wife the synopsis actually sounds great it sounds like a lot of fun and then when you see Donald Pleasants' name I'm like oh sh- Donald Pleasance I, I love him he's a great actor and I was expecting su- a, such a different role from him than I got um,
2: well, I've got words but, about Donald Pleasance later, but continue.
0: But Oh my God, I can't wait. <laughs> I have things overall,
1: to say. Like, there's some interesting things. Like some of the effects are very interesting to see 60 plus years later, or <laughs> almost 60 years later. It's crazy because I can see this movie's DNA in so many other things. Mm-hmm. Like I was telling Frankie... She brought up the Magic School Bus. I've seen Rick and Morty do an episode similar to this. I know the Rugrats did an episode similar to this.
0: Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, with the watermelon seed, bro. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nostalgia.
2: Nostalgia. And, of course, two films which we'll leave for the final bit of this podcast that I think were highly influential from this. Now, I also had a Mandela effect with this film because I... You guys have talked to me enough now on these podcasts. I I feel like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to movies and origins and things like that. I had this Mandela effect that I thought this was written by either Ray Bradbury or Isaac Asimov. It just kind of feels like something that those guys would have done. And then when I went back into the research, I was like, oh, no, they had nothing to do with this. This was kind of like an original story. So then I kind of felt like an idiot. But now I kind of want to live that. And I think the reason why I thought that when I did the research is that they approached Asimov to write it, and he said no. He instead did like the novelization of it. So maybe that's what it was. I walked through a school library, saw the name, and that's how I related to it. But all this time, I thought this was like an Isaac Asimov creation, and it's not.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely see what you're saying about, like, especially Ray Bradbury. This definitely seems like something that would be up his alley, and for some reason, yeah, it just—it's so interesting. It just—it's just weird. Like I, again, I was expecting so much more from this movie. Mm -hmm. It—it's just a weird movie to talk about and think about.
2: Well, and it takes itself very seriously. Like, and before we even get into the story, let's just say one thing: the movie looks great. Like. Special effects aside, which you know, like you were kind of saying, really don't hold up in today's you know technology and people's expectations of what special effects are. But I can see this blowing people's minds in the theater back in the 1960s. But just the oh yeah, I mean, it it won
0: an Oscar for a reason because it's definitely definitely gives off that vibe. It's kind of like it reminds me kind of um the first Star Wars. Where, like, you look at the effects in, like, New Hope and you're like, ooh, so cool. But, like, in you know, (laughs) you're like, oh, it blew people's minds and, like, exploded the whole world of cinema when it came out.
1: The one effect that really, I think, shocked me how good it looked still was the shrinking. Yeah. I was not, like, that was the first thing, like, reading it. I'm like, this is going to look terrible. (laughs) And I was like... Wow, that actually they did a really
0: good job. It could have looked a lot worse. Yeah. It it could have been really shitty. I think cause it, it looks practical like as far as like it looked like it just pulled out the camera very slowly.
2: <laughs> I mean, this is true. And like around this time you're seeing like Godzilla movies, Toho movies, and everyone's watching Star Trek. They're they're getting used to like seeing these cardboard sets this one actually is really quite impressive for, for what it is. And when I said it looks great, I'm talking like the colors are rich and the scope and the director, Richard Fleischer, who did like Charles Hest- Charlton Heston movies like Soylent Green, like this guy really knew how to make an action picture. This is the thing that's kind of concerning to me because like this guy who's known to be such a great action director, for as exciting as this movie should be with its concept, there really isn't a whole lot of action and it really isn't that exciting.
0: No, and that's, it was disappointing to me as well because, like, yeah, the, the movie, like you said, it takes itself very seriously to the point where, like, this completely fantastical and ridiculous concept, it it really, it's taken way too seriously and given no, like, you know sense of like wonder and just acknowledging kind of the silliness of it which would have been nice if they kind of leaned into the silliness and adventurousness of it it was it came off very much like a kind of a cold war movie set in the cold war which is like (laughs) it it came off more like a like that kind of movie and it really shouldn't have been that
1: (laughs) well it's funny because even that like we start off in the beginning of the movie not knowing really what's going on, mm. and there's a whole bunch of chaos that happens really quickly, and you're like, what just happened? Yeah,
0: I had to wiki the plot in the first, like, <laughs> ten minutes. I'm like, wait, what are we doing? Wait, 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 hold on.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting way to get there and to, like, kind of just build this up. The The film starts off with this guy who has been working in Russia developing a way to make this miniatura- miniaturization process permanent, you know, longer lasting than 60 minutes because they want to, like, shrink armies and tanks and smuggle them in Coke bottles in other countries. Hey, great concept. <clears throat> the idea of this film starts off almost like a Mission Impossible. You've even got, like, a Mission Impossible-type character, this Charles Grant who's helping this Dr. Bennis get across before this whole kind of like assassination attempt and chaos, like Scott said, happens. The whole like first 10 minutes is exciting and it makes you think that you are in for a Mission Impossible movie. Like this could be Mission Impossible 9, Tom Cruise has to get shrunk and put inside a dude's body. I'm, <laughs> I'm all in, like where's the box office? I'm buying a ticket. But like you said, this excitement that starts all of a sudden turns to like this just over-explanatory narrative and you never get that energy back.
1: We were hoping, because they, 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 in the very, after you get all this excitement and all this build-up, then they introduce this plot line where you're like, oh, who's the bad guy? Mm-hmm. It seemed
0: like it dropped, though, completely. They, they brought it up in the very beginning. They're like, oh, maybe somebody's a traitor. Hmm. And then, like, it's really never addressed. There's no, like clues to it who could it be until like maybe like over halfway through and then it kind of gets brought up again that maybe there's a saboteur on board and then it tries to get exciting again but by then it's too late i I was like halfway checked out by that point
1: (laughs) but they also do the thing that (laughs) i do love it in older movies where they're like well we can't go through the heart we can't do this.
0: Oh yeah, we can't do that. That was I'm funny.
1: Like, I'm, so, I'm like, so we're going through the heart. They're explaining go the, the, the whole
0: air. process, and they're like, oh well, the only way to do this would be to go through the heart, but we can't do that. And then immediately Scott was like, okay, so they're going through the heart at some point.
2: Yeah, it definitely has that Star Trek syndrome, where like Spock is telling Kirk what you can't do, and Kirk's like, F- it, we're doing it. That's kind of like what's going on there. But here's the, here's the thing. Okay, let's let's kind of jump into like the '60s part of this now because. I'm only going by everywhere. I'm going by just the stereotypical tropes that we kind of just expect from 60s movies. So the whole point is you've got this Grant guy getting shrunk into this submarine to get injected with this crew of doctors and technicians to destroy a blood clot in this guy's brain. It's the only way to save him. You can't do surgery. You gotta shrink a crew down and send them in there and zap it with a laser. With
0: lasers. Okay, that man. seems safe. Okay.
2: <laughs> I, I can buy that. We of course have to have the obligatory scene where Raquel Welch comes in and the guy in charge of the mission's like,
0: Oh my we god. We can't I'm have a scream. woman on board. Oh my God, I wanted to die. I hated it. I hated it so much. I had to remind myself that it was 1966 and then it was even worse. Oh my God, Antonio, it was so much worse. Like, they get on the sub and the fing main guy comes in the room and, you know, Raquel Welch is doing sciencey things, you know, in the room. And she, he walks in and he's like, ah, you must be quite handy at home. Do you cook? I'm like, I wanted to throw my coffee at the screen. I'm like, oh my god, okay, it's the 60s. Calm down.
1: Bet you're pretty handy around the house. Can you cook?
0: We're pushing oxygen today.
1: I'll have some laughing gas, man.
0: It sound as if you're not looking forward to it.
1: It's not exactly a pleasure cruise, you know.
0: I think it's very exciting. We're going to see things no one has ever seen before. Not just something under a microscope. Think about it.
2: That's the trouble I oh my god. You know, like BH. I was watching this. I watched this a few weeks ago when we were first decided this is one we were going to do. And when I watched that scene, I'm like, oh Frankie's gonna have words on that. I'm gonna I lose was my... so excited. I
0: literally was hysterical <laughs> laughing. Oh <laughs> 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 Do you cook? Do you cook? Oh, <laughs> I hated it.
1: With all that, I do want to give the movie a little credit though mm. for Grant's character throughout the movie. I love the fact that he's like, I really don't want to be here. Yeah. I don't want to be here. Please do not put me on the sub. I want to go home. Well,
0: that's, <laughs> to be fair, that's a normal reaction. But what's even more peculiar is the fact that um donald pleasance because donald pleasance's character who apparently is claustrophobic and and knows he's claustrophobic decides it's a good idea not only to go in a submarine filled with a bunch of other people but be shrunken down to teeny tiny little itty bitty person in a tiny little itty bitty submarine and think that that's not going to be an issue (laughs) and the dude is in charge of the
2: mission like he is the guy who's like kind of calling all the shots And so to have him freak out like I was stuck in a underground bunker during the bombing in World War II. I was buried alive. alive. Why were you on the mission, dude? Like you should have been on the (laughs) other side talking him through it, but that all kind of like plays out later. Yeah. Yeah, it was so weird. (laughs) and I got, I got it was more also words weird because right
0: it end. just went away for the for the majority of the rest of the movie it went away until it conveniently had to come up at the, like towards the end but it's like i don't think that's how claustrophobia works it doesn't just disappear like for 40 minutes and then magically come back i don't
1: oh but guys we also have to bring up that the general drinks way too much sugar in his coffee Th- that Way was too so much. weird
2: well that was it a
0: whole I was like was that th- were they trying to be funny <laughs> that, <laughs> it is simply, <laughs> that, that is doesn't go
2: anywhere that is a weird setup for that scene later where there's sugar spilt on the counter and there's an ant eating it and he's about to go squish it and he's like oh no I can't do that and then the one guy's like well you're gonna become a Hindu because you respect all forms of life big and small like okay the whole point of that putting too much sugar in his coffee is gonna pay off with practically nothing an hour later. And this is the funny part, too. I, yeah. They're supposed to be shrunk for 60 minutes, but their whole adventure goes longer than 60 minutes.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah,
0: let's get... <laughs> <laughs> let's get into this shrinking technology real quick. It literally felt like we were there for three hours. Fuck 60 minutes. It felt like we were in that submarine for three hours. Because.
1: I want to talk about the shrinking technology for a second. Like the idea of sending an army, like shrinking an army and sending them to like Russia, hidden in the Coke bottle, whatever. And then unshrinking them seems like a brilliant idea. But the whole point is like, Oh, it's only an hour. And then they grow back to real size. But then they're like, but this guy we're trying to save makes it. So the shrinking is permanent. What? (laughs) Also. What? If we need all this setup to like not make them shrink, uh-huh. what's someone could just step on them and kill an
0: entire army?
1: Right. What are we doing? This doesn't help anyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I never thought of that. Like, okay, they have a way to make the shrinking permanent, but do they have a way to make it like s- turn the person back? Does that ever address? I mean, oh. I think
2: I think the idea is. He just can extend it longer than sixty minutes, so it's like, all right, tomorrow at noon, yeah. they'll go back to normal size. So make sure mission accomplished. Yeah, I would assume tomorrow at that noon. That
0: that just like goes without. I don't think they're talking about making up like ruining thousands of people's lives <laughs> by <laughs> shrinking armies worth of men and <laughs> making them tiny forever.
1: I'm just saying the word permanent is thrown out there many times. I'm like, <laughs>
0: right. No, I get you. I, I the also implications think implications of that are scary.
1: If, if I had
2: to play devil's advocate, maybe this is just an example of like the lack of government oversight of military projects. Like, yes, this is a ridiculous project, but, uh, we're going to do it anyway, you know?
1: We're going to do it anyway, and we're going to buy hundreds of golf carts.
2: Hundreds of golf carts. Oh, okay. Oh, my God, Thank the you. golf
0: carts. Thank you. Oh, I was okay. laughing at that, Let, too. Let's
2: talk about this. So <laughs> this is hilarious. I love this. So first of all, we're in Dr. Evil's underground <laughs> lair, essentially. That's what, we're, that's what we're in. We got golf carts yeah. everywhere. This is my favorite so part. and so funny. Frankie, and I th- I, I'm, I'm hoping you notice this. Every single piece of technology in this scene where they're like prepping them to get shrunk and then shrink them has a label made by a P touch almost. It's like miniature handling device, miniature golf cart miniature submarine handling mechanism like everything's got a label and they do like this very intentional like close-up shot with the camera of these labels to let us the stupid audience know what this piece of machinery is really for
0: of course (laughs) oh my god yeah it's definitely i mean you said it before it's like you know we're just over explaining everything at nauseum. It's like with a lot of sci-fi movies there's a suspension of disbelief and you just kind of buy into that to a certain point when you do sci-fi stuff. So you know, you don't need to explain every single thing and like where we're going and like every single step of every single aspect of what we're doing. Like we get it. We we shrink down to little itty bitty. We go in the guy's body. We magic school bus this shit and then we get out. You know, like, you don't got to make it a whole science project. (laughs) But also, I feel like they tried to, like, cover that up a lot with trippy colors and, like, special effects. Like, I feel like if we were, I don't know, under the influence of some sort of drugs or alcohol while watching this movie, we might have had a, a trippier time just with like the cool visuals yeah like this is the kind of there. thing that
2: you would get stoned and go to the planetarium and watch it projected on that big screen and just be like, yeah Whoa. i mean god i watched that would this be pretty w- dope. I actually watch this movie the wrong way then i have to go back and rewatch it in the correct circumstance
0: but yeah it's, the golf carts in particular when the golf cart because they're dri- they're driving everywhere in golf carts and it's like okay it's not like this is some like giant compound like it just gave the, the air of cheapness that mm-hmm. I personally love in like a so bad it's good movie so I thought maybe this movie was going to go like the other way and be like <laughs> so bad it's good and cheap as f- because it literally looked like just a bunch of like, t- like hundred-dollar golf carts. Then you just like, oh, we're giving the air of we're a fancy government facility because we don't walk places. Oh no, no, we're the government. We we drive our little golf carts to here and there and everywhere.
1: Oh, and we got to show the <laughs> golf cart going up two floors. Oh my we god, can't a, in the pool. elevator. In they the put, elevator. put the golf carts
0: in the elevator, and just, like it was it was too much. Well, like, they, well, they put too much stock in golf carts for some reason well and like why I don't why know are they, why but... why
2: is this why is this whole thing underground like it yeah. it seems like it's hundreds it's maybe thousands secret. of feet underground only to take a golf cart up like ten floors. It's like I, I, I. Yeah,
0: there was too much focus on golf cart related minutia and not enough focus on like fantastical whimsy in this movie called The Fantastic Voyage. I didn't feel like we were going on a voyage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When I think voyage, I think like Mutiny on the Bounty. Like that's a fucking voyage we went on. A <laughs> on the B- like I, I didn't feel like we were transported anywhere, and we were literally transported into some dude's body and like I didn't feel that like I felt like I was so bored <laughs> yeah. I felt like we were on a voyage to the DMV half the time like I was not <laughs> feeling it fully
1: all the problems they face in the sub all seem like little problems that are like oh the engine is clogged up let's all go outside and clear the engine all of them oh <laughs> yes both of them and take all the time there oh, we're running out of the air? Let's just stick a hose in the lung and have you breathe that way. I'm like...
0: Yeah, everything took too long also. It felt like they were <sighs> holding on certain things for way too long. And every problem took like 20 years to solve. Well, the whole shrinking—the so
2: like- whole shrinking process took forever because.
0: Oh my god! Oh my like- god! What was it? They kept going like, "Oh, this is uh, section A, f- phase A, phase A, phase." B. I thought we were gonna go through the whole f- alphabet. <laughs> I was like, Jesus! But there's stop. no,
2: <laughs> there's no music to that. A little no, theme it's music, just dead air. A little it's, score, yeah. a little fantastical. There's no whimsy. Whimsy to it, but instead we're mm-hmm. just watching it in silence and listening to like Star Trek. Boom!
0: And which like- i noticed that <laughs> in the opening credits because there was no like real music it was just like those weird like electric pulses and right. stuff like that i kind of thought that was cool i was like oh this is gonna be an interesting like different kind of sci-fi movie we're <laughs> in for something really special here and i was like sourly disappointed <laughs> sorely and sourly disappointed
1: <laughs> we just kept making fun of uh raquel welch and grant being like so are they gonna hook up for this entire movie? Because uh, well,
0: I read something like I read trivia on IMDb, which like it's IMDb trivia, so take it with a grain of salt. But apparently Raquel Welch was like trying to get in in with, um, oh God, what's the main guy's name? Grant. Grant, whatever his actor's name is, he's he seems like a real '60s hunk. Yeah. But uh, Raquel Welch was trying to get it in, and he politely declined her advances, <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> Raquel Welch. <laughs>
2: Well, and I think it's hilarious too that they give her like this very prominent 60s beehive, very non functioning hairstyle to go into a submarine in some dude's yeah. body, especially when she has to like get in and out of scuba gear, which to me is the most disturbing part of this whole film is that, okay, they're going to go swimming in this guy's fluids, and you're yeah. not in like a deep sea diving bell they're not like in these these protective suits they literally just put on a protective mask and just raw dog right into this guy's fluids and it didn't bother me when i was a kid but man when i was watching it especially after the
1: pandemic i'm just like i'm gonna throw up
0: (laughs) yeah it was The funniest thing is now,
1: now that I'm talking about <laughs> Raquel Welch's character.
0: D- d- no, don't say character. Well, she had no character. Exactly. She was a that, lady surrounded by men, but d- they tried to make it like, oh, she's this scientist. I know. But like, they're nothing of the sort. Like, it all, I felt like they were trying to imply that like she was screwing the fucking doctor that's that she works thought. under because she's like, oh, the, because Grant, I think, asks, Raquel Welch's character and I keep calling her Raquel Welch because I don't remember her name because she's not a character but anyway (laughs) Raquel Welch Grant asks Raquel Welch oh what is it like to work under Dr. So-and-so because he thinks Dr. So-and-so is the bad guy right right because remember there's supposed to be a bad guy in this movie I, I you know you totally forget about that but anyway she says something along the lines of like oh well he's just such a wonderful man and oh i just i love it like i love working for him so much it's like okay like she's i don't know it just it, it, there's she has nothing to her well, i kept thinking <laughs> nothing that,
1: i kept thinking she inspired christmas jones later in uh <gasps> james bond
0: <sighs> it's annoying that's
1: kind of well, it, like
0: it, it's annoying
1: her whole job
2: it, on the submarine apparently is to make sure that the laser is locked down for when, like, they go fast or move around. That's, like, her only thing to do is just...
0: And literally, because in the movie, there's a point where, like, oh, the saboteur, you know, screwed with the laser and it got broken or whatever. And Grant, knowing that it was fastened down by her decides to just throw her under the bus and be like oh well i guess the woman didn't fasten down the laser properly meanwhile when he's alone with the doctor he's like oh well she fastened it down perfectly but How i just want to throw off the saboteur <laughs> meanwhile spoil alert he's talking to the freaking saboteur he's not a good secret freaking agent okay because yeah, he's yeah. talking to the bad guy like when
1: did donald okay spoil alert Donald Pleasence is the bad guy. Oh, my God. Whoa.
0: I don't think anyone's surprised. That's why when you said, like, oh, uh, you know, it's a different role than I would have expected from him. Not really, because he's, he's still got, like, the very distinct voice going on. He's got the undercurrent of, like, crazy guy going yeah. on like Dr. Loomis. Well, no, but, like,
1: Loomis is crazy. You know Loomis is crazy from the moment you meet Loomis. And it, every other Donald Pleasance role I've ever seen him in, he's usually got that air of psychic. Like psychoticness about him. This was so subdued for so long.
0: The whole movie subdued, to be fair. But That's yes, true. I get what you're saying.
2: Well, while we're talking about Donald Pleasance, I wanna I wanna know if you got this vibe. So, like I said, I haven't seen this movie. I'm gonna say since I was seven. Okay, like it was seven or eight. I old enough to know that I was amazed by the fantastical special effects and the whole theme of the movie, but not old enough to start like criticizing it. That's how long it's been I've seen this movie. Now that I've seen lots of movies, and especially one of my favorite series of all time, the Alien series, I really honestly feel like Donald Pleasance in this character is kind of like the proto version of Ian Holmes Ash in Alien. That's why he's underplayed. He's like the bad guy, but he plays it so subdued. And even some of his line deliveries, I'm like, did Ian Holm study Donald Pleasant's performance in this film to play Ash before Ash goes psycho and alien? That's the vibe I got. Did anyone kind of recognize that when they were watching this?
0: Not while well you're we were watching it, but like now that you say that, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, obviously Alien is a much better movie than this. Yep. But <laughs> uh, but I totally I get what you're saying.
1: Like I understand, like, yes, definitely. It's from the same school of thought, I think, yeah, of we don't wanna make it obvious that like they're the bad guys, so we want them to be normal and seemingly good characteristic of a person as possible. when Donald Pleasance talks in this movie, there's something so unnerving about him because he's so monotone, at least with Ian Holm in Alien, you wouldn't guess he's the bad guy. Unless you've seen Alien, like right away. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I pegged Donald Pleasance as the bad guy the moment I like started seeing Donald Pleasance.
0: But is that because of the performance or because it's Donald Pleasant? because it's Dr. Loomis movies, on the freaking yeah. screen. I mean, now that you say it, because Alien is similar to this movie in that it's it's a slow burn right Mm -hmm. i mean alien does have a burn at the end that's really the only difference this movie really doesn't have much of a burn at the end it tries to but by the time you get there you just don't care you you just you just want it to be over (laughs) you just want (laughs) them to get out of this guy's body already so we can move on with our lives (laughs) but yeah i'm picking up what you're putting down there for sure I think there's something
2: really interesting to be said about this movie and if we were to have the conversation of is it cult worthy I would say yes it's definitely worth a watch on that aspect because there are lots of cool things in it that I haven't seen before like little like you were talking about the minutia of of being inside a person's body I think it's really cool like when they're in the lungs they're talking about oh this guy was a smoker look at all these carbon deposits you know It kind of goes back to like your whole magic school bus conversation in a weird way. We're learning about anatomy in this really just sideways fashion of, of how we're going through this guy's body. Now, I'm not sure if you ever went to the Epcot Center, but when I was a kid, I went there back in like the early 90s and they had body
0: wars. They had the
2: body wars where you could like fly through it. And like I was instantly taken back to that. So th- there was a lot of stuff in this film that really kind of put me back into that that brain of a child, that mind of a child that was so fascinated by this kind of stuff that I think that even though I can pick apart all the things that need to be picked apart about this movie, there still is a lot of cool stuff where it's like you are taken back a little bit, maybe mm-hmm. a happier time in your life.
0: Yeah, I would actually, I would agree with you that it, it is cult worthy despite the fact that I, you know, would I personally watch it again no, no. I probably would not mean it um but if you're like I I actually was saying to somebody recently regarding this movie like if you're a film buff like it's worth a watch just for like just the aspect of it that you were saying like it it, it inspired a lot of other things there's a lot of things movie wise just cinema wise that are unique about this movie and that's interesting in in, in its own right um, I do think that this movie, it does fall under the umbrella of like a good thing to potentially be ripe for a remake. Because for me, a good remake is worthwhile if it's, a, if it's based on a movie from the past that maybe had a good concept but didn't have good execution. Um, which is why I'm super excited because Scott and I just recently rewatched Highlander and I was like, this is why it's getting a remake because it's a good concept and a shitty, <laughs> shitty execution. And I feel like that's what this movie is. Like, I feel if this got remade as an actual movie, despite the fact that it's been adapted into like TV shows and, you know, d- TV episodes, I should say, and, you know, uh, body wars and other things like that. Like, I feel like a movie remake would be good. That could work.
1: Scott, what about you, man? So, I think, yes, I agree with both of you that this is cult-worthy. Partially because the sci-fi genre has always been one of the craziest genres in all of movies. Because you can go pretty much anywhere with it. And it's interesting when you go back to older sci-fi... What people consider, what people thought could possibly, possibly be coming in the future, like oh, in the future we'll have flying cars, you know, we'll we'll have the, it's we'll be able to shrink down and laser a tumor out of someone's head, like all these ideas that were thought of in the '60s, and some of them that actually became real things, like it's It's crazy to think about when you go back to older movies and be like, "Wow, like they had no idea what was actually coming. They thought this was a crazy far far off idea. That's what makes sci-fi so fun. and even if the movie isn't great it's it's interesting just to kind of see what people thought would never happen in the future.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. Now, let's talk about the things that we actually liked about this movie, because there is a lot to like in this movie, but to Frankie's point, as a complete package, there's a lot to be desired. But man, there are some things in here where I was like, okay, that's pretty badass, especially for the technology of the 60s and this budget that they had, which wasn't as big as you would think. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say that- But all those
0: golf carts, Antonio- (laughs)
2: You know what? I'm going to say that those were studio golf carts. They were just like, we need something. To just get, get off the back lot. We need something to look cool here.
0: Oh, my God. Get
2: the P-Touch. We're going to label it. Oh, yeah, that's the best part. The CMDF, Combined Miniaturized Deterrent Force. That's the name so dumb. of the program. I love it. I want to get a tattoo that says that.
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
2: But I was going to say, apart from golf carts, what is your thing with golf carts?
0: I just I there were so many of them, I don't understand.
2: I just love the antibodies, man. Like that was like the main villain of the movie. If you take away the Donald Pleasants character, the antibodies were like the face huggers of this movie, and I was was here for it.
1: I, I just wish they were there more. More I did too, actually. We needed them
2: right from the beginning. We needed to be an ominous presence from the very start.
1: Like, if they're constantly running from them, that would be a cool idea, a cool add-on. Because once they show up and, like, attack Raquel Welch, you're like, yes, this is what I want. Like, this is what I wanted from the entire thing. I almost don't need Donald Pleasance to turn heel. I just need antibodies to be attacking these people constantly. The
2: antibodies and the big white... Corpuscles that just are essentially the blob that dissolve everything. Where was that? We needed more of that. That couldn't have just been a third act thing. If you would have had that right from the beginning, I would have been so on board with with all of that.
1: The idea of like because what you want from this movie is you want an idea of the body is almost attacking this ship because it is a foreign entity yeah. in its body. And you have the white blood cells, you have the corpuscles, like other things like when the idea of parts of the body getting caught in this submarine that's clearly not supposed to be here, like that stuff, you need more of that to make this more interesting. And you need to really emphasize this ticking clock better because God forsaken the ticking clock goes away for a while.
2: A hundred percent. Now, what did you guys think? Raquel Welch. Obviously, they just needed a female in this movie. And I get the idea that she was really kind of like mugging for screen time. I really feel like she was mugging for more for more power in this film because she's barely used. But when they use her, when she is actually allowed to be in danger and allowed to be allowed to act let's just put it that way when she's allowed to act (laughs) she really brings it because we've all seen raquel welch and other things she is a presence she is a force to be reckoned with you never look raquel welch in the eye this is one of the (laughs) movies where i feel like this could have just been anybody
0: yeah can, can i be honest like i really i was expecting more from her just because she's raquel welch right but, like, throughout the movie, she was doing nothing and nothing and nothing. And then it got to a point where I'm like, okay, it's it was getting, like, super boring. And I'm like, okay, eventually something's going to happen. And then they started talking about the saboteur again. And I'm like, okay, it could go one of three ways at this point. And I was hoping for door number three. But I'm going to start with door number one. Door number one would have been what Grant thought from the beginning, which was that it was um, Raquel Welch's superior, that one doctor guy who was like the obvious choice, right? Then door number two would have been Donald Pleasance, which was like the slightly less like expected thing, but it was like, okay, whatever. Then door number three, I was like, okay, maybe this movie is going to surprise me. Maybe this movie is going to blow me out of the water and make Raquel Welch the villain. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> I really was just like hoping beyond hope that something crazy was going to happen and it was going to turn around. And no, I was I was wrong. They just like, you know, she was just the damsel in distress the whole time. You know, every time something even marginally exciting happened, she was just there, you know, right on cue to be saved by Grant or somebody else, but usually Grant. So I was like kind of (laughs) disappointed. I was really hoping that like she would just turn around and be the villainous Russian plant in this whole equation. But no. Well, the, the, the thing is, no. though,
1: the, the thing is, though, this is not the Raquel Welch we would get to know in the future. Right, I think this of is one of her earliest roles, if not her like first role.
2: I mean, this is the great point because she made this movie. It came out in August of 1966. Just a few months later is when she really breaks through in One Million B.C in the caveman bikini. So I get it. Oh, shit. Like, it's the same year, just by several months. So this really was insert actress A into this film. Now, I'm not sure if it's a film that like really got her the recognition to make that one. Probably not because it was already in production. But she did get hers. And like once she showed up, I mean, her in that poster for One Million B.C., I mean, that's like one of the main plot points of Shawshank Redemption, one of the greatest movies ever made. So I'm glad that she actually got to be recognized for that and not for this. Because, I mean, this has a 90% score on Rotten Tomatoes. Fine, great. It's not the movie that she should be remembered by.
0: This has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes?
2: Yeah, under reviews it does. This
0: movie that we've been talking about? Oh, absolutely. With the golf carts?
2: (laughs) Each golf cart represents
0: 10%. Oh my God. I didn't know this had a 90%. But okay. So
2: this, this is a good thing too.
0: Terrifies me.
2: It kind of, it kind of goes back to how we started this show. There's something about this nostalgic indifference that people have when they go and start rating things either on Letterboxd or IMDB or Rotten Tomatoes. I saw this as a kid. Mm -hmm. If I was to go and rate this movie right now, based on my memories as a child, yeah, four stars, 90%. I love it. Then you go back and watch it with a critical eye, you're like, okay, it's more of like a two, two and a half. I think you see a lot of that when you read these aggregator scores.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, well, there's that. And there's also people who rate on the scale of how influential a movie is. Because is this fair? is definitely influential to things we've seen again in TV and other sci fi movies. So the, this movie even though we might see here sit here and move a critical eye be like yeah the movie's a little slow it's a little boring there's some plot points that you're like what the hell just happened <laughs> you can still see the feelers stretching out to other things
0: yeah
2: so speaking of feelers before i even say them do either of you know what movies would have been almost direct influences some might say like a pseudo remake of these films that's come out in the last 30 years
0: my brain hold on i'm thinking i don't know i'm scared to know <laughs> what the list is
1: let's, let's hear it because I'm, I'm sure i know them but i'm sure i'm not gonna like no this is great this is this I is
2: great don't. this is great because there's two in particular to me one of them actually has a really strong connection to this film so back in 1986 one of my favorite filmmakers of all time joe dante Made a film called *Inner Space* with Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. I've seen
0: that. <laughs>
2: I
1: can't believe I forgot *Inner
0: Space*. I've seen that. It's awful, but I've seen it. <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> it's not good. Well, there's an. Wait, interest... is that the one with Dennis Quaid
2: and Martin Short? <laughs>
0: yes. Okay, I've seen that. Are you going to defend it and say it was good?
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh God, too bad you're not. Oh in New no.
0: York.
2: We'd arm wrestle I thought right it now. was silly. But it's, it, I mean, it's silly, it's 100% silly. It's a Joe Dante movie, but, but there's an interesting yeah, connection amazing. to this because they actually were trying to plan a sequel to this in the early 80s where there was going to be a battle inside a person's body between the Americans and the Russians. That, oh got, my God. that whole project got scrapped because Inner Space was in production, which kind of followed the same thing. You had like people fighting for this technology. Kevin McCarthy from Invasion of the Body Snatchers was a bad guy. And you had a battle between Dennis Quaid and Vernon Wells from Commando and Road Warrior inside Martin Short's body while they're floating around his stomach. They're floating around his lungs. was
0: so weird. It was
2: a fun movie, though. And and I think that that this film could have benefited from a little bit of silliness and some gore and action that that
0: film
1: brought to this. Yeah, concept. I'll say
0: that. That's probably true. Well, let's face
1: it. Let's. Joe Dante. <laughs> when you go watch a Joe Dante movie, you go in expecting some fun, some guts, and some gore.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but there's got to be like a happy medium between Inner Space and this where like because Innerspace is kind of like the other end of, I mean it's been a minute since I've seen it and it's not the most memorable film I've ever seen in my life but yeah it's it's kind of on the other side of the spectrum of balls to the wall like crazy weird and silly and then this movie is like on the other end of like bore me to tears please yeah. end the misery <laughs> <laughs> what so are you it's doing like to it's gotta be you. a happy <laughs> medium somewhere
2: now, I would say if there is another film that really took inspiration from this, if you thought Interspace was weird and a little off-putting, back in 2001, the Fairley brothers made Osmosis Jones –
0: i've seen that too i we literally (laughs) just talked about this when we watched the movie because i used to have that movie on vhs and i watched it as a child and i liked it for some stupid reason and you watch it now like as an adult and it's like the most disgusting it's
2: so disgusting
0: filthy gross (laughs) you've never seen Bill Murray look more disgusted <laughs> <laughs> then in that movie it's terrible
1: the sad part is yeah Bill Murray's just yeah he's just there to be disgusting and right yeah movie. that's the
0: whole purpose of the movie <laughs> yeah
2: it's great though but I mean again like that that's a movie too where it's like kind of like what we're talking about now this was one of my dad's favorite movies Fantastic Voyage and when I was a kid watching it with him I thought it was amazing. If you were nine years old watching Osmosis Jones in two thousand one, you probably thought that life couldn't get better than this. I feel. The oh, s- I
0: did. I feel the same way about this and that. Osmosis Jones and like Master of Disguise. That was my, that was my umbrella of humor at the end, early two thousands.
2: So I was going <laughs> to say the Pest with John Leguizamo. Like watching
0: it now, oh, oh, it's yeah. a rough
2: watch. But when I was <sighs> thirteen. I knew every word to that movie. So again, nostalgic indifference is kind of like the the reason why things like this get such high scores on these aggregators. Closing thoughts on Fantastic Voyage, Scott.
1: So closing thoughts there, again, if you want to watch Fantastic Voyage, as much as we've been ragging on it as it's a slow burn of a movie and there's some predictable plot points and stuff, To kind of see the beginning of Mm sci-fi is so much more interesting than to be like, oh, it's so slow. Yeah, you're going to get, of course, people who think about it as they saw it when they were younger, and that might give you a false sense of hope. And then you get us who are analyzing it critically. I think if you go in thinking, I'm just going to sit and watch this, you're going to get some more enjoyment out of it. Because the, some of the effects do hold up. Some of it's interesting with like some of the body parts. and it, I think there's something here that if you did a hard remake of it, you could definitely expand stuff and do a lot more interesting things. And especially what you could do with effects on the body now and going through a body today would be very interesting to see. I just don't think it will happen because you're gonna get people who like fantastic voices is a classic don't touch it,
2: yeah, I don't know. I'm telling you, make this a mission impossible movie mission impossible twenty seven man after he goes to space after he goes to Mars, he goes <laughs> into the human body I am in I'm a hundred percent in
0: <laughs> oh my god um i I concur with pretty much everything said, I think it's it's worth watching i personally love the movie to the point where i would watch it again probably but i think it's worth experiencing the movie just to kind of get a feel of the time period and uh, where sci-fi especially was at at that point in history you know what i mean and i think most importantly, if you're given a choice to watch this or Inner Space or Osmosis Jones, watch this. Or I would Schoolness. say watch this.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, this is something that, I mean, there are going to be the defenders. And great. If this is someone's favorite movie, all the power in the world to them. I, I love that. Right. I love that when people have their thing that they hold on to, you know, their Blarney Stone, whatever. They kiss it every time they see it. Fantastic. I would consider this, like like you said, Scott, introduction to sci-fi. Like if you are a cinema appreciator and you realize that just three years from this film, you're going to have 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's really fascinating to look at the progression in just three years of special effects and how to handle sci-fi in a brand new way because this is, honestly, this was made for families and kids, there's adventure to it, but it's ambitious. And I love seeing ambition on film. Even if the story doesn't play out, even if there are some problems with the plot and the structure and the pacing, I love seeing the ambition and where the ambition of technology gets you in just a few years. So that's where I would say this movie falls into place. It's like lesson one, sci-fi. Fantastic Voyage, 1966.
1: Yeah, for a sci fi cinema class, this would be a perfect start for a sci fi cinema class. Um, <laughs> that's crazy to even think about. Like, thinking about, yeah, three years later, you got 2001 Space Odyssey. And even going further, like, 11 years later, you got Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's sci fi is such a f- weird, fun genre to kind of like plot. Yeah. The po- Like, there are two genres that show you the most probably about the time frame they come from. And it's sci-fi and it's coming of age stories. Are the ones that show the most about what society was thinking at the time frame.
2: Right. Oh yeah. Coming of age. It's crazy to
1: see like what like, oh my God, this is gonna be a crazy idea. And now you think about like today you have Ant Man. Like we don't think shrinking in Ant Man's crazy.
2: No. what do you guys have planned for the month of halloween
0: so we got a lot of spooky movies going on uh we got some spooky disney channel original movies (laughs) for (laughs) scott to be tortured by uh scott's gonna show me some spooky movies i'm gonna show him some spooky stuff it's gonna be really nuts and uh i just realized i'm showing you both a disney channel original movie and a Cronenberg movie in like a span of a month. So that's going to be fun.
1: I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and, then I got, and then I got werewolves and vampires. So let's go. <laughs> let's
2: go. Well, guys, it was a pleasure as always. It's always fun to talk to you, whether it's on my show or your show. So thank you for helping me break down this sci-fi classic, The Fantastic Voyage, available on HBO Max, or you can rent it pretty much anywhere films are streamed and i've got connections to you guys i have your link on the cultworthy.com under the cultworthy partners page please like and rate and subscribe to both our shows shoot the flick and the cultworthy classic we would really appreciate it it's been a wonderful time and i can't wait to talk to you guys again
0: bye we love being here thank you
2: good night everyone